Are you considering a post-bac program because your undergraduate grades are not exactly what you'd like them to be? Or perhaps because you lack required courses for the education you need to pursue a career in medicine, dentistry, physical therapy, podiatry, pharmacy, or physician assistant science? Pull up a chair. Our guest today is head of admissions for Temple University's many post-bac programs. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 435th episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is brought to you by Accepted's free guide, The A to Z of Applying to Postback Programs, which teaches you how to apply effectively to postback programs. And that includes choosing the programs, writing strong crystal statements, securing effective letters of recommendation, and more. Grab your copy at accept.com slash PB, as in postback, or from the link on our show notes at accept.com slash 435. Our guest today is Dr. Caleb Marsh, Admissions Director at Temple University CST's post-bac programs. Caleb started his higher ed journey at Baylor University, where he earned his bachelor's in computer information systems and human performance, as well as a master's in educational administration. In 2017, he earned his doctorate of education, also in higher administration. He began working in pre-health advising at Baylor in 2002 and continued at UT Austin and SMU before becoming admissions director of pre-health post-baccalaureate programs at Temple in 2018. Caleb, welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. Linda, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm really excited to talk to you and tell you about the Temple University CST post-bac program. Great. Well, before we start to the program, I got a question for you. Sure. That is, how did you get so involved in pre-health advising from computer science and you know, human performance? That's that's correct. I, I wanted to actually be a coach when I was in uh, college mm. and you had to pick a teaching discipline. So I taught, I thought, well, I can teach computers. I enjoy computers. Um, but my first job in college was as a student worker in a health professions advising office in which I was introduced to uh, what life as a pre-med was like, which was very different than the life that I was leading as a undergraduate student, but through it and watching the journey, I, I, I just fell in love with working with health profession students and helping them go on and achieve their dreams and goals of going on to things like dental school, the medical school. Um, and, and in a sense, being a coach along the way, so That's I what I was I thinking. Didn't, I didn't deviate too far from kind of the coaching aspect of things, just a different, uh, different sport, so to speak. <laughs> right. Okay. Now let's, let's get back to what you want to talk about. And that is all the different post-bac programs at Temple University. Can you give an overview? And it's not going to be easy because there's so many, but can you give an overview of the post-baccalaureate options at Temple University? Sure. So first of all, I'll, I'll start with the two primary kind of pathways students can take. Um, one pathway is for students that are career changers. So students that might have been teachers or lawyers or rabbis or all kinds of professions uh, who decided they wanted to go back to school, pick up their prerequisite courses and go on a professional school. We have another pathway that are for students that would like to uh, enhance their academic credentials. These are typically people that are, they were maybe pre-med as an undergrad 
and this is kind of the typical post-bac student that most people think of. They, they want to go to a post-bac program to try to improve the, the science grades as an undergrad. So that's kind of the basics. Um, but as you mentioned, we kind of have all these other different and, and more highly specialized programs within that framework. We help students, of course, go to medical school, dental programs. We have a pre-dental program as well. Um, we have a pre-pharmacy, pre-podiatry tracks as well. Um, and then our two newest track, our three newest tracks, PT, PA, and DMI, which is Diagnostic Medical Imaging, uh, a post-bac program for that as well. So uh, a lot is of different- ultimately a master's degree that-, that is No, it, it would be someone who had an undergraduate degree, but wants to go on to a DMI program and needs to just get some remaining prereqs in order to take that pathway on to a DMI program. And I guess some of the programs that students may apply to could be master's programs, but um, we work uh, with SUNY Downstate to uh, kind of put this DMI program together. Okay, great. Now, COVID's affected everything. We're going to go into more of the programs, but I mean, are, do you plan to be in person this academic year? Um, How is COVID affecting the programs? Sure. Our entire cohort last year, as many were entirely virtual. So that was something that we all kind of had to adapt to, uh, but we are excited currently. In fact, today uh, we have a pre-matriculation program. Some of our students are on campus taking part in that, um, but we hope to be uh, in person. I think we have one class that will be taught virtually, but we hope to um, to be able to, to conduct classes and hold our program on campus in person. Great. Now let's go back to the program itself as it's supposed to be, right? Sure. Um, are the main differences between, I guess, the two tracks, um, the, whether you've had the science courses previously or, or not had the science pro- courses previously, and then for the, the different kinds of programs, in other words, pre-med versus pre-dentistry versus pre-DMI versus podiatry, are they are they having classes together? If they take, if it's chemistry, if it's the same chemistry for all three tracks or, or is it different? Yeah. A couple of really important points here. Our uh, post-bac students take classes only with uh, folks that are in their cohort. So they're not in the general student population. So that's a kind of a first, uh, you know, factor that, that kind of changes how the classroom is, is approached. So it's strictly just post-bac students. But as you mentioned, yes, if, if you're, they're taking an intro to chemistry course, it's the same intro chemistry course that someone going to dental school, medical school, podiatry school, pharmacy school, they would all be in that together. So it's not taught specifically toward any one profession. Most of our programs are, are overlapping like that. So our students would be in classes all together. The, the one that might be a little different would be our PT track and our PA track. Um, the the, the if you're not aware, the, the PA schools have a lot of variation in their prereqs and what they need for admission. And so uh, our pre-PA cohort um, takes classes strictly in, in that, uh, in, their, in their own block. Got Some it. of those do overlap with the, the others, but it's, it's mostly them in their own kind of cohort. Okay. And are the, now, what about the difference between the advanced track and the more basic oh. class, the one the one for uh, academic enhancers as opposed to career changers? Yes, great question. Those are those run completely separate of one another. In fact, our, our basic core and advanced core, other than maybe some info sessions or workshops that we hold, uh, wouldn't really have a whole lot of reason to kind of overlap or connect with each other. They don't have any of the, the same classes. 
Okay, great. So that's kind of, that. that's distinct. Definitely distinct and different, right? The needs of someone who's already kind of run through the pre-med gauntlet, as opposed to someone who is just starting out in the prereqs, uh, very different. It makes yes. sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. What is the application process like for the Temple Postback programs? It's pretty straightforward. Um, uh, two or three years ago, we decided to join Postback Cast, which is the uh, it was a national application service for postback programs. It's very similar to your AMCAS, ACOMIS, ADSAS applications that our students are used to hearing. Um, so the first thing that a student would do is would be to open a postback CAS application. Um, they would go to the website. Uh, start to fill that out. It's actually really great practice for students that will be applying to professional school because it's a liaison product, uh, which means that it's it's basically exactly what they'll see down the road. They apply, um, they have to provide an essay, three letters of recommendation, and they have to have a completed, and this is an important point, they have to have a completed and verified app through Cast. And then once that happens, they are through, that's that's the application component of things and how that works for us. So are there any supplemental or secondary essays with this? No, it's a great question too. We, uh, our program, there are maybe, we have what, what our uh, postback cast calls them custom questions. We really only have a few. Uh, they're not nearly as extensive as what a med school might see or a dental school might see as secondary questions. A small paragraph that's why specifically Temple postback, and then some just other smaller kind of uh, more specific kind of demographic questions that the app doesn't ask that we want to know for our app. What are the interviews like for the Temple Postback program? Well, this past year was interesting because in the past they had been in person. So, you know, we, we they would come to campus, we would interview them in person. It's basically a half day of interviewing, info session in the morning, interview with two faculty members, meet with the dean, um, and then we have a lunch and then a campus tour. So it's structured very much like a lot of professional school interview days are structured, but we had to pivot to virtuals. So this past year, we did all of our uh, interviews virtually. It, it basically follows the same structure, just without a campus tour and without a lunch and those kinds of things that we can't provide. But you'll have a lot of opportunity to speak with our, the students in our program, us, faculty, and the other applicants uh, during the day as well. So it is a full kind of uh, deep dive interview day. So you've tried to replicate what you used to do in person, but virtually. And I assume you plan exactly. to stay. You plan to stay virtual this upcoming year. That's the plan. We may have, we may test some days in person, but there are a lot of things we actually liked about the virtual interviews. Um, it's easier to find space. It's easier to get interviewers, but ultimately, it puts less of a burden on the students. We know that the flights and hotels and things to get to an interview. Even if it's just gas or train tickets or time you have to take away from work, that that it's it's a privilege to be able to interview in person. And so interviewing virtually, we we like that. There's a lot of good components to that as well. How many, how many students are are from Pennsylvania in the Philadelphia area or, or out of out of city, out of state? Sure. About a third of our class is from this area. Um, so you know, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. But uh, we have a lot of students from California, from Texas, from Basically, everywhere across the country, every almost every state we have represented at some point has has come through the program. So it's a it's a it is a national program. Um, doing the virtual interviews does change things a little for some of the things that we had to negotiate today, which were uh, our time difference. So if we start our interview at nine a.m. here, uh, we have to be aware of what that is like when it impacts students on the West Coast. So we did have to shift our interview day. 
back a little bit just to accommodate wider interview times. Yeah. Uh, but we also have folks from interviewing from Korea, from Japan, uh, from, really? around, from around the world. So it was really, really so fun. So you also take international applicants then too. Well, okay. some of them were international, but some of them were uh, people that were from the United States living in uh, in Japan or abroad. So yes, okay. military okay. folks in those cases. Ah, got it. Okay, that makes sense then. Now, I noticed that several of your post programs have linkage agreements, either with Temple, CATS, the medical school and or other universities. Can you, can you touch on how they work and maybe where the linkages are for, I know it's on your website. So maybe just talk about how that works. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, but it, it has basically three phases. The first phase is, and this is not just us. These are the schools, uh, those professional schools that are on our website have set up these guidelines for us. And the first phase is undergraduate performance. So they may look at things like your undergraduate GPA, your SAT score. Um, and sometimes that can eliminate a person from contention for a post-bac because if it says must have a 3-4 to be eligible for this linkage, then if that person doesn't, then they may not be eligible for a linkage at that particular school. And all the schools have different requirements. The second phase is the performance in our program, which is kind of uh, you know how they do in our, our classes. And then also at the end of the program, how they do on, t- on the MCAT. So uh, there's an MCAT uh, minimum threshold as well. Sometimes that's a total score. Sometimes that's total score and subset scores. Each school, again, has different things there. And then the final piece of a linkage is the interview. Um, and so you still have to be able to uh, conduct yourself professionally and be prepared for an interview at the end of the process, even if all of those other conditions are met. So I'll remind folks, linkage is a great option. It's one of the the, the, the coolest features of our program, but it's it's not the best feature, uh, but it's just one of the many features that, that are, are great. Um, and it's not a shortcut. It's definitely hard work, uh, definitely condenses things. And there are some very specific check boxes that have to be met for that conditional acceptance to be granted. So a linkage may not be exclusively dependent upon your performance in the post-bac program, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, that And that some are, some aren't, correct? That is exactly right. So, um, and again, I don't know, these are always subject to change because we get their, their, con- their contracts that we get from the schools, but PCOM, for example, historically, Philadelphia College of, College of Osteopathic Medicine um, has not had a minimum undergraduate GPA threshold. That's that can because of that can be a, a popular linkage destination because even if a student has a three two and may not be able to link to some of the other programs, then then they have an option for PCOM. I'll just also say quickly that the the most of the students in our program don't apply via linkage. Maybe only a third to a quarter of them do, uh, and part of this is because they want choice. They want to be able to apply broadly to a larger set of institutions other than just that, that linkage institution. And particularly folks that may be from other States, they want to go back to Texas or they may want to go back to California um, or they may just want to go back to Maryland. And although Temple is a great school, they, they want to, they want to be in state. Right. Right. But it's also awfully nice to have security of knowing you're in somewhere. Definitely. Definitely. Right. right. Okay. Now this video you have on your site says that, as part of the of the postback program, you assist students with study skills. And here we're talking about the, I guess, the advanced track that you have. And you assist with assist with test prep, whether it's for the GRE or the MCAT. Can you go into that a little bit? 
Sure. There are two primary ways that this is delivered uh, in our program. One is we actually have a full-time learning skills specialist who is, her, her kind of tagline, Dr. Fair is our learning skills specialist, but her, her tagline is that people have been told to study, but they haven't always been taught how to do that, right? So it's kind of like throwing someone a football and saying, go play football, but you don't know the rules to football. And so she kind of teaches them how to study. So that's one component. Um, and that's actually the, the pre-matriculation program that, we're, that started today uh, is a component of that. And then the other piece is we've partnered with a test prep company to uh, teach our MCAT test prep class. And it is an actual in-class lecture. Uh, um, It's not graded, but it is a lecture. uh, And it includes all the things that you would expect a a test prep program to have as part of that. Books, online resources, practice exams, and someone to, to, to teach that material. Okay, great. Now, do you also help students obtain clinical exposure during the post-bac program, or do you prefer that they focus on academics during the the post-bac program and obtain clinical exposure during the year between the post-bac program and the start of school, for example? How does that work? Yeah, that's a a big one. We definitely prefer our students to focus on academics because we know that a lot of times the reason that a student might need a post-bac program isn't because they were doing anything necessarily wrong. They might've just been doing too many clinical hours. They might've been spending too much time riding along in an EMT or spending too much time at a hospital when they probably should have been spending more time in the library studying. And so we, we definitely uh, always encourage our students to focus on the academics. Uh, it's such a big part of what they do. It's a rigorous program. Um, and so we don't want our students to get distracted uh, from those. So we do have some clinical opportunities. Dr. Stoll, uh, she's she's kind of our, our coordinator, a- along with uh, Deneen Changalini. They put together our uh, clinical piece. And they're really kind of these, they're more inspirational moments so that when you're, you're slogging through this kind of rigorous semester, it's nice to be able to go spend, you know, a couple of evenings at the ED shadowing a doctor and reminding yourself, okay, this class is hard, but these patients, I understand why I'm doing this. I want to be able to be here and treat patients like this. So uh, yes, we provide those uh, for both PA, med, and dent. And is it is it perhaps more important for your, uh, your career changers that they get that exposure or do you expect it on coming in? Great, great question. Yes. The expectation is that if a student says, I want a career change and now I want to come to your program. Expectation is that they have probably done some kind of clinical experience before they end up here at our program because of the fact either A, they won't get what they would need while they're in our program if they have none. And after the program, they may not be able to get adequate amount of time in the, in the application process. So you're exactly right. Career changers, that's something we discuss on interview day. Uh, and something what we screen for in the uh, application process. All right. For the, the advanced core that goes to academic enhancers, what kind of academic stats would cause you to be concerned about the student's ability to succeed in your program? And what should students with stats below that number do if they're interested in building a case for acceptance? Yeah. So students like that, uh, Things that we would consider red flags or yellow flags would be 
lots of C's, uh, you know, but lots, anything that's a C minus, particularly in a prereq, uh, if that's the case, so that could be problematic even for admission. Lots of D's and F's. Um, any any kinds of patterns of, of negative grades. One one D, one F, one C. That will not sink your ship. But patterns of those things are are indicative of something else, right? And so um, we look for those kinds of things. We don't have a minimum GPA cutoff, but a 3.0 is is a is a good indicator that if you can get a 3.0 or higher, you're you're in the ballpark that you, where you need to be. On average, uh, you probably saw this on our website. Uh, most students, it's about a 3.2 average GPA for ad- admission to the program. And if somebody, let's say, has the D's and F's, there was a problem, okay, oh. but they feel that it's in their past and they really want to pursue medicine. There was um, a post on SDN a, a month or two ago about somebody who apparently really had issues and got his act together and is today an MD or claimed to be an MD mm-hmm. um, on SDN, who knows, uh, but he I, claimed to be an, an MD. And he said, I worked really, really hard. What, again, so you have this person who had the issues, they think they're in their past. How could they show you today? I mean, they can't do a post program to get into a post program. Right. And, and so this student, I mean, I, I say this student as if we have some sort of example, but imagine there was a student that needed these. I'm sure there's somebody like that oh, out there. <laughs> 100% that need to do this repair work. And you're exactly right. It, it may not be best to do this repair work through a formalized program like ours. It may be best to go to your local community college, go to your local four-year institution, find out what kind of entry requirements they have for you being a uh, non-matric student, or you know they have all these kinds of different names for them. Non-matric is one of them. Um, transient student is sometimes what they call them. Uh, but just that would give you the ability to repair one or two of those courses at your own pace before then applying to a rigorous post-bac program like ours. Okay. And we have students that, in fact, we've, we've interviewed students before at which we've said, we like what we see here, but these two grades are problematic. And in fact, if you go and you repair these two grades, you make an A in these two courses, we'll defer accept you until next year. And they go, go back to their schools. They do those two things. They fix it. They come back to us. They come to the program and, and they do really well. Good to know. Thank you. Beyond academic stats or or uh, success, I would say a certain level of it. Sure. What do you want to see in your post back applicants? Yeah, we mentioned one of the things earlier, which is the clinical piece. So it's one thing to just say, okay, I was a lawyer, I quit my job, and now I want to be a doctor. And you say, great. What makes you think that? Why? And then they can't really tell you, or they don't have any experiences clinically to back up that decision. Um, sometimes it's very clear. Yeah. They, they've been shadowing a doctor for the past few months and uh, in the evenings after they get off work at the law firm, and this is confirming everything they want to do. And that's very easy. So that, that experience is important. Professionalism is so important. We, we look at that at an interview day, how they conduct themselves, how they communicate. So those are all components. I mean, to, to everyone listening, this is, you know, a important it's it's the it's the open secret of the double AMC core competencies. Go read the double AMC core competencies on their website, and it basically outlines many of the things that the the health professions programs as well as our program are looking for that aren't just academics. Right. Okay. Great idea. 
I think it's a good yeah. idea. Now, when people complete the post-bac program, they're going to have a year, right? I think it's called a glide year between completion of the MCAT program and the end at the end of which they actually apply and they go through the application process and then they hope for the hope for acceptance in the start of medical school. What do you, and this is true even with linkage programs, right? Well, or, or can they, or in some cases, can they just go straight in? Yes. So um, a, a linkage candidate, if they were successful in meeting all the linkage co- conditions, would be able to enter seamlessly right after our program into med school the following fall. So yes. Um, and then there are some students who actually come into our program as a very, very small number who are in the applicant pool and they apply and they spend time in our program uh, and then some of them even get interviews and then they send their transcript from our program, even after just the fall to the med school to update their files. So there are some very, usually only maybe a handful that do that, but the vast majority didn't do what you described. They, they have what we call a, we call this a growth year. It's because, even better name. Yeah, because we really do want them to be actively involved in doing things that better their application because after, after that growth year, in the midst of that growth year, if they get asked to go do an interview, inevitably that interviewer is going to ask them, what have you been doing since you got out of the post program and you applied? And if they don't really have anything to say, it's a bad look, but it's also bad preparation. So we encourage students to get clinical experiences during that year. But really, it's, it's more of a triage situation. We look at what they need, and then we try to help them and guide them to get those clinical experiences. Sometimes it's research Sometimes it's practical. I just have to get a job and live. And, and so we try to help guide them. Uh, we don't do job placement, but we just we can give basic advice and strategies on how to do that. Okay, great. What do you see as the big advantage for a student in investing in a formal post-bac program as opposed to doing an informal post-bac programs and just taking the courses they need to take or retaking the courses they need to take as a case may be? Sure. I, I think that's, I may be biased because we have a very formal structured program here. It's cohort based. And I I think for us, that cohort model is huge. You're in there, especially with career changers. You're not in your classroom in an intro bio class with 17 and 18 year old college students. You're in there with students that might be 24, 25, 26, up to, you know, sometimes 37, 38 years old who kind of have this shared experience of we just quit our jobs and we're going to a post-bac program. And I think if you do it kind of on a DIY basis, you might not necessarily get that cohort feel. You may not get that support within the cohort. Um, And then you also get the advising services that our office provides. You get um, the test prep that we mentioned that's kind of baked into it. And you also get the the help of our, our, our learning skills specialists. So there's a lot of components that are may seem like fluff, but if you don't have them, they're definitely not fluff. They're, they're intentional and they're, and they're a lifeline for many of the students in our program that others may not get outside of a formal program. I would also, oh, here's another, an idea for another dissertation. If you want. Sure. <laughs> um, compare the success rates of, of students who've done the formal post-bac programs to, to those who've done informal post-bac programs, how, how many of them complete it? How many of them actually are accepted to MD or DO programs? I don't know. Has somebody done that? Or Oh, or, I, or I don't know. It's a great question. And I would love to know that um, because, you know, I, I, I know that the other, the other advantage is time, you know, time is money. 
postback programs are expensive, but enable to do them in a one year, very rigorous structured cohort. You're right. Uh, the, the example I always use is a gym. It's like having a personal trainer versus someone just saying, go to the gym and work out. And no one really tells you how to use that machine or they don't really give you a workout plan. And sure, you can, some people can go into the gym and pull that off and come out in shape. But it's a lot better when you have a whole team of kind of personal trainers walking you through that process and teaching you how to use the machine, not to hurt yourself. And, and then at the end, you know, they're clapping and, and cheering you on as you go. So um, we, we, we like to see ourselves as that team of, of personal trainers for your academic health. Okay, great. That's a great analogy. I like it. I guess you're still the coach, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take it out of me, I guess. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. What do you see in your crystal ball for post-bac programs at Temple? Oh, wow. If I only knew, I think, I think we'll continue to grow. We have a growing program. Of course, there's always the, um, there's always the concern that you don't want to outgrow what you can provide, still have that family atmosphere that we, we really pride ourselves on. And so um, I see us maybe expanding into some other health professions as we already have. I don't know how many more though there are out there that we could expand to, but um, I think we would really want to focus on growing our PT cohort uh, growing our PA cohort and growing our dental cohort. These are all cohorts that are very small right now, um, but we would love to grow those and, and, and really want to get the word out that our program isn't just a med program. It really is a pre-health program. With a, we, You need to know what pre-health profession you want to enter when you get here, but if you have one in mind, we can probably help get you there. Oh, I thought of nursing, veterinary medicine. <laughs> We, we, we've actually had a vet uh, come through our program as well. Okay. Um, so yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful that you have this menu of programs, as I said at the beginning. What would you have liked me to ask you? You know, I, I think one of the things that gets overlooked a lot in this process is sure, you know, students are looking for these checkboxes that will allow them to get from point A to point B. And a lot of times they want to do it quickly. And uh, I think what they overlook a lot of times is my attitude is we want you to get it right, not right away. And so we, we want you to get it. We want you to get back on the track, so to speak. And so there is a culture that our program has. It's a very family atmosphere. It's a supportive atmosphere. And I think that that gets overlooked a lot of times, but people see it when they come interview with our program. And so they, they leave and they say, wow, you guys are so friendly and supportive. I just thought that that was what you were trying to do to get me here. But even when I get into the program, you guys are still supportive and, and you're still friendly and open to suggestions and helping out. So um, I think that that's one thing I would want everyone to know. This is a, a, we're, I'm, I'm blessed to be part of such a great team. Um, and we have such wonderful students in our program. And we really love getting to know them and really making them a part of the Temple family. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Now, the question I had was approximately how many students are in the postback programs total? Yeah, and so this kind of goes back to the other point of, you know, we have to be careful. We want to maintain that family atmosphere. The basic course is 40 students, um, and so it's small but not tiny, um, but not huge, and our advanced core is 60. So we usually end up with about 100 students total with throughout the, the program, between the two programs. And when we have a, a team of six people uh, with 100 students, it, it, works out, it works out pretty well. That's, that is a very nice size. I mean, I'm sure they all know each other, 
but there's enough people there where probably everybody can find their little niche. That is exactly right. Exactly right. Caleb, I think we're almost out of time. This has been absolutely delightful and fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can listeners learn more about the postback programs at Temple University? Sure. So uh, you can visit our website. Uh, probably the quickest way is just if you Google uh, Temple CST Postback, but c- because the uh, the address is postback.cst.temple.edu. It's a little it's a little difficult to sometimes find, but but uh, go to the website. We have a great video on there that shows what our program is all about from a student perspective. And so you know you can listen to me and. Podcasts are great and hearing from me about our program are wonderful, but it's really great when you can hear it on a video from our students. And so I would encourage you to go check that out. Okay. And if you didn't catch the URL, don't worry about it because we're going to include links in the show notes at except.com slash 435 to both Temple University's postback programs, as well as to other relevant resources that may be helpful to you listeners. Listener, thank you too for joining us for Admission Straight Talks 435th episode. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any future shows, be they with deans, admissions directors, professors, current students, test prep pros, or alumni doing great things. And reminder, download your free copy of the A to Z of Applying to Postback Programs today at accept.com slash PB. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.